Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the sixth episode of Trade Talks. I go about his Medici effects, and in this episode, we've got a trader from the UK. His name is Tom Shaw. He's the co-founder of the Dark Horse FX. I'll leave all the links in the description for you guys to check him and his group out. So without further ado, I'm going to jump straight into the live podcast with him and I'll see you there. Hopefully you guys find this interesting and insightful. Hello guys and welcome to this podcast. So as I mentioned earlier, we've got the guest from the UK. His name is Tom Shaw. He's the co-founder of Dark Horse FX. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you for thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I appreciate that you came. So, in essence, uh, as we always start off these podcasts, I want to kind of just understand how did you get into trading? How was your journey of getting into this skill and uh, business field? In a sense, like where did it all start for you? Good question. I'm so being quite frank with it. I'm not a trader in experience as such so it wasn't something that i ever kind of set out to do um so i'm now 34 when i was 21 i um i always wanted to have my own business so i set a business up when i was 21 from my mum and dad's house working out of a bedroom and it was just myself mobile phone and a laptop and then quickly grew that to like 21 years old and on month five of uh running the company i'd hit 250,000 pounds turnover in in the one month that was literally four weeks worth of trading and it just flew like in insanely flew started running a business things started going well right things then quickly kind of I was learning what I was doing on the hop so what what my business was I was working in the legal sector mm-hmm. law firms that were doing um, personal injury claims okay. like accidents in the UK so if someone had had an accident and they wanted to make a claim that law firm wanted to run run that client's claim so mm-hmm. to speak so what I was doing was I was almost like acting like a wholesaler so I'd sit in the middle find all these customers and then I would pass them on to the law firm. So instead of the law firm um, doing their marketing online or social media, um, anything like that, I would go to them and say, okay, here's 500 customers this month. Just kind of deliver it to them. Okay. And then that, that was my business model. It was, all, it was so you, all sales. So you were in a sense like a middleman for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I, 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 I sat in the middle. Um, put everything together, did all the legwork, and then gave gave the law firm this kind of end end Res- product. Yeah. And um, one one of the law firms which I started working with probably three or four years in into this journey, one of these law firms got bought out by mm-hmm. a big PLC who were on the alternative investment market on the stock exchange. Right. So these guys got bought out and their company was then worth two billion pounds. Okay. Like English money. Yeah, it was it was insane. Um so that was how I first got into stocks, shares and trading because um I was kind of working with this company 
each day. We were one of their biggest suppliers at the time. And they were on the stock exchange. So I was like, right, okay, I've kind of got a bit of an inside track as to what's going on with these guys. What's the stock market? <laughs> right, yeah. So that sounds like, what? what's the stock market? How are people making money? What, what goes on? Right. And that's how I first got into the whole okay. trading side of things. But it wasn't... Um, it wasn't forex or crypto which i'm doing now right it was um more buying the stock and holding it or right. shorting the stock um looking for a bit of price action with with um certain patterns right that's that's how i first got into it and then it forex now um how did that come about so i probably ran did the whole stocks and shares thing for a few years was Start it profitable looking. for you? Yes and no. This was one of life's stupid lessons. So I was um, probably 24 at the time. Right. 24, maybe early 25. And I, um, I bought into the company. I had 150,000 pounds, right. which I'd saved up myself through, through the business. And at this point in time, if someone was to say that they didn't have any the value of money, that would be me. Right. So I was like mega reckless with things. So I wasn't flying around throwing money about. I just didn't appreciate what money was, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Do you know, because I'd made so much at such a young age. Absolutely makes sense, yeah. So, and I was still living at home as well with right. my mum and dad. So I was paying like 50 pounds a week. <laughs> and, then, you, and you had enough money to like buy a Lamborghini or a Ferrari already. Yeah, so I got, this was the, the other stupid thing. So at 23, I was the, the youngest. So there's an area in the UK called Leeds. And they've got a Ferrari garage. I was the youngest person that they'd ever approved finance for. Wow. When I got the, my, um, my first Ferrari. So, so I had that and then I bought, saved up £150,000. Right. In cash, in my bank. Didn't do the smart thing, like put any away, I'll buy a house, I'll be safe, put 150 grand into this PLC. Right. And turned the 150 into just below 500,000, maybe six to 12 months maximum. I was literally just holding. And then... What my plan was, I kind of bought the stock at maybe 15 pence. Right. And what was meant to happen is they were meant to get approved to get on the FTSE 250. Mm -hmm. Now, if they'd have gone on the FTSE 250, the stock price would have been worth around about a pound. So I set a target of 50p. Yeah. So I was like, okay, don't chase the ace. If we can get this to 50p, I'd have made 600, give or take 600,000. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Which sounds fucking crazy the way I'm saying it now. Um, but then I got it to just below 500,000 and it was about 40 pence, low 40s, 41, 42. Right. And the whole thing fell apart. Oh. The whole thing fell apart so quick. So it turned out that this company who they were called Quindell, right. big famous fraud, now so um, it would, so they yeah they were doing um a lot of fraudulent kind of revenue recognition so they were releasing to the markets they were making 
so much money. But right. the fact is they weren't. It was all kind of inter-profit and inter-revenue between their companies mm. that they were billing as separate. Right. Um, so it just it crashed. Wow. It, it, so overnight, it went from being like 40s down to 30s. So it lost like 25%. So at that point, I should have sold, but I was just a rabbit in headlights. You didn't. Yeah, nah. I, I, was, a, I was a rabbit in headlights. And at that point, that's when the reckless attitude came out and the kind of gambling attitude of chasing losses. Right. Where like, this will recover, this will recover. When I get back to 40 pence, I'll get out. 30 pence became 25 pence. Okay, when it gets back to 30, I'll get out. And I ended up selling at 10 pence. No way. So I, yeah. So, so I turned roughly... 150,000 into about 110. Right. This is really interesting because this is even before you got into Forex, right? And yeah. we're talking, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is greed. If we're taking this like pure, pure right. and simple. So it's, it's, it's greed, recklessness and zero discipline. Right. And this is actually funny because in Forex, we need the exact opposite of that. Yeah. So I'm actually interested in how you actually got from that kind of mentality and that kind of attitude into a really kind of Zen state where you had to be disciplined <sighs> and actually not greedy and without emotions in the market. So with, with that, I would say that the learnings itself didn't necessarily come from Forex. So what I did wrong in that particular company when I was buying the shares and selling them and being greedy, I'd love to say I took a step back at that point and realized this is where I've gone wrong right. and corrected that personality fault at like 24 years old. Right. It didn't happen. Mm. It took me um, up until the age of 32, so another eight years to fix that fault. So what, what happened from then, I was still making really good money right. with, my, with my business. Right. So that you, was still you were going still, really you well. were still running the business as the middleman, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when these guys went bust, I found other buyers. Okay. Um, the money wasn't as good, but it was still it was still like really good money at right. such a young age. So and even though I'd lost all that money on the stock exchange, yeah. I never felt the loss in my pocket, which sounds really crazy saying it. Right. Because my life didn't change because I was still having real good money come in. He right. was like, well, yeah, that's gone, but we can, we can make it back. Right. So it, it, it took for the, um, the whole business to completely fall apart and for me to kind of um, have the ego slapped out of me a little bit. Right. It took that to happen for, right. for, for me to learn the whole discipline side of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't actually Forex. It was actually you going through this whole process. Well, wow, interesting to yeah. understand. So like that, that, that attitude of being reckless, right? Because it sounds like, okay, this guy put 150 grand into some shares, made 500 and didn't sell. And it was greedy. That, that kind of reckless attitude was a blessing and a curse. Right. That's an example of where, where it worked against me of being able to set the business up and rapidly grow it. That's a, an angle of where that attitude actually worked for me as well. Right. Because just kind of being reckless with things right. helped me grow to a, to a real good size. But then when, when the business stopped, 
So the laws of data protection changed in the UK because right. we were telesales. So our business would be ringing maybe <laughs> five, 600,000 people a month. Oh, wow. We'd be making those phone calls. Then data protection laws changed in the UK, so we couldn't do that. Right. So my business completely stopped. It became redundant, but my lifestyle didn't change. I was still quite reckless. Right. And it took for, for all of that to stop, money to stop coming in, and to have a few losses again after that to realize, shit, I've, I've got to make a change now. Something drastic has got to change. Right. That's how the attitude and the discipline came about. And was that change easy for you or? No, really hard. Right. Re really hard because it wasn't, a, it, was... it, it was like a personality fix. Right. It wasn't like overnight. No, 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 no. I still struggle with it now. Right. But it, and it's something that I've constantly got to, got to be on top of. Right. Whereas like I have a tendency to be mega reckless with things. Like when you saw the oil trade, Yes. which I took earlier this this year, kind of back in April and May. Right, yeah. That was, that was, that was a reckless trade. There was um, a FTSE gap trade, right. which I did as well, where we turned 10 grand into 60 grand right. over a weekend. That was a reckless trade. So you see, sometimes it's a good thing, but then for me to trade consistently profitable right. in Forex, you cannot be like you can't be reckless right so that's that's how i've had to kind of learn how to deal with this right yeah i i really agree with that i think that many people coming to this game believe that they're gonna come in they're gonna quick uh, quickly flip some money and they're gonna walk straight out yeah. it's the way it's sold as well though isn't it it's absolutely i i got into this by seeing I won't name names, but I got into Forex by seeing the adverts. The gurus. On, on, yeah, yeah, the, the gurus, yeah, absolutely. By, by seeing their ads, seeing them with the cars, and I was still in that mindset of quick money because when I'm looking at these guys, I was like, right, that's the life that I used to have. Right. So I can, I can jump in on this. They're turning money over quickly. Things are going well. It looks real easy. Right. It was the signal service. Yeah. That I was signing up for. Yeah. So I signed up to a signal service with, with a big account of money because I still had some money left. So maybe like 10, 15 grand. Right. Put into a signal service. Surprise, surprise, blew that. Right. Um, yeah. Signal services are huge traps. Yeah. T they're terrible. Right. They're terrible. But I was so naive. Yeah. And, and, and still greedy. Yeah. Lost that. Um, and then it was. Then Corona kicked in right. properly. So I traded bits and bobs and got a, a bit of a good strategy going. I'd been making some profit, but I'd never been like sitting down at a screen full-time trader. I was still running my sales businesses. Right. And it was when Corona happened, like February, March time yeah. this year, that I then fully dedicated myself to to Forex. Right. Um. And that's when, so I've, I've been pro trading profitably for probably 18 months right. consistently. Right. But only now is it something where I'm like eight hours a day in front of a screen trading a real tight system. Right. There's two things I want to touch upon here. Uh, so Corona, I call it a blessing and a curse at the same time. 
Yes. So obviously, of course, we understand why, but a blessing in a sense that I know many people, including myself, it really kind of made me sit at home, first of all, due to the lockdowns, but also like sit down and really better myself in like things that I've really never bettered myself 100%. in before. Yeah. Right. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that most people, I think that if a person didn't come out of this lockdown with a new skill, wasted these four or five months yeah. completely. I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, this sounds really disrespectful. So if anybody's kind of yeah. listening to this who had friends or family that got ill or anything else, I'm, I'm genuinely sorry. Yeah. However, my personal experience of Corona was it's been a fork in the road for me. Right. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it, which sounds a terrible thing to say. Yeah. So I was working. So I've got two young children as well, but I was leaving the house at like five or six in the morning. Right. I was coming home at like eight at night. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't really see the kids that often apart from on a weekend. And I was also kind of just chasing my tail a lot and repeating the same habits because it's something that worked for me previously. Right. And then when Corona came in, mm -hmm. And the lockdowns happened it let me take a step back yeah and really look at everything be like okay what's working why is it working what isn't working absolutely why is that not working what do you even want from life yeah um and it just let me reassess wow. a, a, a lot of things and make some real tough decisions but also that time as well when have you, like, you've never seen that before. You've never seen a period of time where you could step away from everything and everybody yeah. for such a long period of time. It's as if they put the whole life on pause Yeah. for a good and bad cause at the same time. Like, obviously, yeah. it's really bad for those who have lost their jobs and those who did become uh, unemployed due to this. But on the other hand, it did give a lot of opportunity to put yourself together mm -hmm in every aspect, in any aspect you wanted to, you could have literally just sat down and really manifested that life and that break in life you kind of got. Yeah, of course. And even like the guy, people that have lost the jobs. So in, in, I don't know what it's like everywhere else, but in the UK, there's been a lot of people that have lost the jobs, but there's also been a huge amount of support and furlough money from the government. So True. people have had 80% of the wages since March. So, right. I'll, unless you really sat on your hands and were just watching tv all day yeah that's what you, i'm scared about yeah like th this is the best opportunity to turn um turn chaos and come a complete shit show yeah something that betters yourself and i honestly believe in six to 12 months time hopefully things with corona have settled down but i will look back in the future and I'll be, this was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Yeah, I'm completely on the same page with you here. It's As uh, long as all my family's still healthy and all of that, obviously. True, true. family is always first. As long as people are still healthy, I guarantee this will be the best thing that's ever happened. True. And yeah, sadly, many people don't really uh, understand and value this. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's their life, it's their choices, but the opportunity was here, right? For those who didn't get affected by it. Yeah. So like my, the, the business I had was in um, like uh, debt advice. Okay. So pe people in the UK that they were in debt, so we weren't 
debt collecting, like taking money from them. Right. They would ring ourselves if they were struggling with debts and we help put a solution together and we'd be paid for that service by the, the law firm, for example, that would look after the, the client. Right. Now in the UK, all of the debts have been frozen until the end of October. Okay. So because people are like, okay, there's no, I don't have a debt problem. No one needs a solution. So our phone stopped ringing, but I still had a wife and two kids. I still had a mortgage to pay for. So it's like, well, I either sit here and sulk for months yeah. or I get my head down, start working and we figure out what we're going to do. Exactly. Yeah. You always have to make the best of what you have. So like for, for me, the, the strategy we're doing now with the Forex and I'm also doing, um, I'm, I'm trying a lot of price action on the one minute time frame as well. Right. So what I was doing, I'd get up at like 4 a.m. in the morning. I would work till 9 a.m. just studying. Right. Then I'd like help out with the house and the boys and whatever else. But it was a case of there's a few hours every day where you can just get up and grind. Right, yeah. No, no one there, no distractions, and just turn this into an opportunity. Yeah, time for yourself. Absolutely with you here. I've been waking up at five as well since uh, beginning of February, in fact. To, uh... And have you been doing it to, to help with your own trading as well, um, with, to put the podcast together? I mean, in fact, uh, I started, I had this uh, plan that I was going to wake up at five since December 2019 because I had school. I go to university. Okay. And uh, I had morning classes and I had to travel for approximately 40 minutes from my um, house. So I had to wake up at five in order to first get my charts in, uh, on point and then, in fact, travel to my uni and then carry on with school. But when uni stopped and Corona came, I didn't really quit that habit. I still woke up at five in order to actually get more charts in and generate more ideas. And that's kind of how I came with the idea of the podcast that if people don't know where to start and right now, especially we have a lot of advertisements on social media with tr about trading. And let's be honest, it's total nonsense because they're just selling you a dream, which you won't achieve unless you really hammer down and learning it seriously. I was like, I'm going to actually create something for people out there, you know, with the with this free time that I now have instead of university to kind That's of really cool. Right. Yeah, that I was completely the idea. agree with that because and you, you hit the nail on the head then since lockdown started, you must have seen this. The advertisements, the sponsored ads. Oh, yeah. For Forex have gone through the roof. Absolutely. <laughs> like through the roof. And I genuinely believe there's a lot of good companies out there, but yeah. I've, there's not one advert which will deliver what it's saying it's going to deliver. No. The, the best thing is to be self-sufficient. And even if you do find a good signals provider, what happens if they just cash the chips in one day and they stop doing signals? Yeah, then you're not, you won't be you're able screwed. to trade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what I cover in uh, some of my previous podcasts that it's really nice to have a signal service which is profitable. But yeah, like you said, if they do go AWOL, what are you going to do? How are you going to feed your family or feed yourself if you are reliant upon this? You need to be self-sufficient. Absolutely. That's why I like trading. So with when I was running the sales businesses before, right. not to drag it back there, you, you were reliant upon other people in a chain for them to do their jobs, for you to be able to do your job. Yep. It was like a chain of events. And if somebody in that chain dropped the ball, it impacted you. Yeah. Whereas with this, you are are completely self-sufficient absolutely like the retail traders are not a drop in the ocean um because of how the banks and everything and uh the institutional investors move the market yeah so you you are 
so self-sufficient on this that it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I definitely agree there with you. I want to come back to the second point about uh, your screen time that you um, said you said eight hours. Um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your strat? Not too, not too much in detail, but how does your strat work? Because I'm, for yeah, example, sorry, uh, I'm I'm a uh, intraday trader. I don't okay. like sitting too long on my hands or waiting for my trades for like weeks. And but I also don't like scalping. Yep. What about you? What do you do? How is because we know Dark Horse FX does offer a course. And for those who uh, haven't never heard of it, definitely do. I will add all the links in the description, so do check them out. So I'm interested in what do you guys have and what's your strat and how is it optimized? It's, this So our strat, we have not reinvented the wheel. Okay. We haven't put together a formula that's completely bespoke to us. What we've done is we, we've traded various strategies previously, right. and we've just kind of pulled out what worked from which ones. Right. And the bits that we didn't work, we've kind of just forgot about them right. um so our strategy is so straightforward it's um break and retests okay. key levels but if you, you can only kind of get your head around it by doing the back testing but like super clean levels as well right not not just a bit of a um bit of support and resistance like a real clean level right. break and retest um with fibs and emas so it's like three three confluence setups, right. only trading with the trend. Okay, know. interesting. Do you guys also by any chance touch upon supply demand? No, I, there's there's so much about forex, which I think I mentioned to you before, which I have no idea about. Okay, absolutely no idea. And there's bits that I want to learn, like the price action stuff around the much lower time frames right. and and the structure because that's more suited to my personality where right. things are happening quite quickly. The way we trade now, this is where the discipline has had to come in. You, at the start of July, I went two weeks without taking a trade because there was the, the, the setups just weren't, I agree. weren't there. I agree. July was a really tough month. We've discussed this uh, yeah. with many people and with you as well that it was, it was hard. And then even when I found it, <laughs> so the, I found so, so we go two weeks, there's no trades, okay? We then take a trade, which I am sure was either like Aussie dollar US or Aussie dollar yen, and it was perfect. The, the trade was going absolutely fine. We are 10 minutes into the trade, virus news gets dropped. No way. <laughs> the headline. Yeah, headline gets dropped, potential vaccine, stop loss hit. So like within instant yeah i i mean like within 30 seconds to a minute wow. like i blinked and i've looked at a chart and I'm like what the hell is this so that was one the, another trade which we did three confluence setup and this is on the hour time frame as well so you're waiting quite a while right for the for these trades to kind of really present themselves going absolutely fine right. supreme court in america ruling that they can look at trump's tax returns stop loss hit right like, jesus christ yeah technicals Ju were definitely on the lower side in july yeah it was just raining news yeah yeah <laughs> it was uh like absolutely raining news yeah um and we were just on the wrong side of it yeah absolutely it is what it is it is what it is yeah but i do think that in those situations like i hope i i for example i made many notes on what happened and how the fundamentals uh, kind of influenced the whole charts 
I think that from that month, we took a lot away in a sense that next time we have a fundamental month, we can adapt to that to trade the headlines instead of pure technicals in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ab absolutely. Um, for, for me, July was actually the f one of the first losing months that I've had. So, so I think I finished like minus four, minus 5% in July. Right. But personally, I was really happy as well because the, the Tom from kind of 12 months ago, right. after losing the virus trade or the Trump trade, I'd have jumped straight back in, right. doubled the lot size. If yeah. I'm in for a buy originally, I'm taking a sell. Yeah. And do you know, just gamble traded and revenge traded? Yeah, coming in for the revenge, yeah. Yeah, and if it comes good, I'd tap myself on the back. I'd be like, yeah, like really good decision. But we know that that's not no, how it works. No, far from, it's irrational decisions. Yeah, you're yeah. gambling. You might as well put everything on red. You are gambling. I've said, I've said this like on Instagram loads of times. At least in a casino, you get a free drink. Yeah, hey, <laughs> true. I agree there. <laughs> there's, there's nothing here. So I was, I was happy to have been down four or five percent right. and not have taken stupid gambling trades. Right. For me, that was a win. Right. No, I mean, that is, if you learn something, you don't actually lose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, an L is actually you learn instead of a loss. That's how I say it. But I have a question. So you had this negative month. I mean. Uh, my month wasn't really positive either. I journaled it. I kind of, I went back. So it, August just started, we're five days in, but uh, 2nd of August, I believe I sat down and I spent a couple of hours really recapping the whole month news-wise. And I really back-tested the months on my pairs, technically as well as fundamental releases. Yeah. Uh, it helps me. It helps me because I really have my rational mind again. There's kind of a pause as we talked about it, like we had the pause in life, but it puts a pause on the markets for me. And I can really kind of understand what went down. Do you journal? Do you uh, kind of like track the things that went happened before? And uh, yes, not probably to the extent that you've mentioned, but I will. I use um, TradingView right. as the platform that I trade on. Right. So every trade that we take, win, lose, break even, I'll do before screenshots, after screenshots track how many confluences it had right. for the trades that went bad right relook at why do you know like some some yeah. will just go the wrong way yeah you're of not going to win everything yeah but the, the fundamental stuff as well and i do you know what i don't even put the fundament i'm not that bothered about a loss due to news right. because there's nothing that you could have done on this the build-up to that trade to have prevented that um like today, for example, I mean like unplanned news. Unplanned news, well, yes, I was going to add that. Unplanned news. So like today, there was a really good setup on US dollar yen. Um, and I, I didn't take it because I knew that kind of the, the yen speech was coming out at like one fifteen today. Right. Stayed away from it. But, and, and then, yeah, the, the, the trade was started going well. And then it would have stopped lost almost instantaneously when the news started. So just just being aware of things like that absolutely is is a big help. I'd say to anybody listening, you need to journal things. Yeah, it, not just on trading with 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 everything, because otherwise you'll get to the end of the month, and how do you remember back to the start of the month of what you did right and what you did wrong? I absolutely agree there. You just think, oh, I've had a good month, or I've had a bad month, but well, why? Right. Because there must have been other things, good and bad things, that happened within the month. How do you make sure that the month after? 
Exactly. You can't track it, the it, progress if you want yeah. the journaling. Yeah. And that's the point. You need to track your progress in order to actually grow. Yeah. Like I stopped taking share um, trades with um, Swiss franc. Okay. It's one of the currencies because I found I, w I was sat in the trades so much longer than right. I wanted to be. Right. And also on, on the charts, I don't know if you've seen this, it can look like a huge break on the charts, but because it's the Swiss franc, it's actually only a few pips. Right. I and, uh, I actually trade the pound uh, franc. So, so you you must know exactly what I'm on about there. Like, I they, know they, exactly what you're They look about. like huge, huge breaks. Yep. Um, and, and they're just, they're, they're not. So I'd be taking setups um, on there. And right. it was only really when I started hitting more break-evens on the Swiss francs. Yeah. I re-looked and started looking. I was like, these were, they, they were never, they were never good breaks. Right. I, I agree there. I had, this is actually a learning curve I had uh, yesterday because yesterday I had a buy setup on a daily, but I had a sell setup on the four hour. And that really, that sounds stupid, right? You know, that doesn't make sense. Uh, and in essence, what I learned from that, I had the trade break even. I realized that for a pound franc, I would uh, focus on the higher time frames. Uh, possibly due to less noise. Okay. I can see a lot of noise on the four hour chart. For example, there's for me personally too much noise to uh, take into account. And if a trend line does get broken and, or it doesn't get broken, like I'd rather focus on the daily or the weekly and have proper setups or running for like, I don't know, maybe a hundred, 150 pips. So then... how long are you sat in your trades for then? If you trade in the daily and the weekly? Well, uh, I only just uh, thought of uh, doing the daily and the weekly for the pound uh, franc. From yesterday onwards, I've backtested a bit of it. So we'll see how that goes. I've how never... did the backtesting go? I've had a strike rate of approximately 77%. Nice. So there is something to it. I kind of understand the dynamics, which is uh, not all too bad. But again, you know, backtesting is different than, you yeah, know. The hardest thing there. So I, well, I was saying like at the start of the call, how last night I had a trade where I was in it for seven or eight hours and it only moved 15 pips right and it was real slow and i was constantly checking if i was to start trading the yeah. daily and the weekly that's just not my personality no. i kind of know where my flaws will be on that and you for for, for me what i found with the, the trading to make it work you have and it's, it's hard it's so hard strip away all the emotion yeah you need to be emotionless. You you not be looking at it. Just yeah. set it like it's a demo trade. Exactly. Like not even look at it. Exactly. Right. Um, I want to ask you regarding character. So I've talked to this uh, about this with other um, traders. Uh, what's your opinion on? You say that it's not your kind of personality in terms of like long trades. Yep. Uh, so you would say with your from your past kind of the re reckless behavior does kind of reflect in the fact that you are on the one minute looking for the price action techniques. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to learn at the minute. Yeah, right. And do you think that you enjoy that more than, for example, one hour or four hours? For example, uh, I'm definitely more active on it. Okay, it would what what my plan is, is to do 100 to 200 back tested trades on the one minute journal that my next step then would to be doing forward testing in live markets on the demo again 100 or 200 
and then on a, a really low account balance. So maybe like a hundred, two hundred dollars, something like that. Right. Just so there's some there there is some money involved in it as well. And I wanna see how that impacts me personally. Yeah. Um because for me, I know where my flaws are. I'm not saying it's the same as sending an alcoholic into a pub, but yeah, I, I need to make sure that if I'm trading down at the one minute, that I'm not thinking, right, let's roll the dice. It's almost like being in a casino. Because if that happens, it's not for me. Right. Because then you'll just get into a boom or bust mentality. But you are putting yourself into a condition where you're going to teach yourself on how to like contain yourself and be more disciplined which is also yeah absolutely like it's i i think it would be something for me like i see people trading on the one minute especially with purely no indicators just candles right and i i understand it right so now the challenge for me especially because with the strategy we teach on the hour you you have a lot of time on your hands right you'll be flicking between the charts like on the hour when the candles open and close and see where you're at yeah so i want to do something productive in between that time right so this it was more of a challenge i was like right okay can i how do i fare trading on this like ultra quick time frame compared to some other people that i know right yeah that's interesting but how would you say at what point do you think it's enough a time for on the charts, for example? Because we know if we're sitting on the one minute, we can literally be sitting for the whole day. Yeah. And that's also not good. You know, I had that problem in the beginning of my trading and I sometimes still do that. I'll be sitting there for maybe, I don't know, half a day looking at charts, looking at the exact same thing that happened. And just and... convincing yourself the setup's there when there's not. Exactly, exactly. So for you, if you're sitting on the one minute, are you going to have or do you have a tight schedule of when you stop and when you start or how does it work for you so you don't overtrade? So the plan is, and we started this maybe two weeks ago, right. only trade the London sessions. Okay. Um, so we will get like we've got um, the office where we had the sales business, which is kind of died now due to Corona. We still had the office space. Right. So what I wanted to do was get a setup away from my house. I didn't want to be trading in home and then running the risk of kind of 24-7 the charts are there. Right. So I'll trade seven till two in in the office um, and then turn off and step away. Okay. It, it to helps. start with, it was difficult because I had trading view on my phone still. Right. So I was still, I was still looking at charts and whatever else when I was away. Right. But I've now deleted trading view off my phone so i'll be like well i'll just they're, they're gonna be my trading hours and i will make that work that's interesting yeah because i can tie this back into a book that i read called uh what i learned losing a million dollars and uh he ties in the fact that he also spent too much kind of time even when he had to give the time to family and, and such he was looking at the charts and the charts really honestly they drain you right uh every single uh, yeah investment bank or really big players out there who did achieve a lot in forex can tell us that you know if you're spending too much time it's going to drain you so yeah and it kind of impacts on you personally as well the the the, the main reason why we decided to do the seven till two well there's two two reasons one momentum in the london session and the volume is good um well except but... for the beginning of august <laughs> well, liquidity has just kind of gone to pot in all the sessions now. I was, I was, so I've got a two-year-old as well. So I was putting him to bed on an evening 
and I'm still looking at my phone for potential setups. Right. And then if trades go wrong or trades miss, like pendings missed by a few pips, I'm then at home with my family and I'm kind of a little bit short and a little bit arsey. I'm like, do you know what? Yeah, I don't need this. I lasted 12 weeks in, in lockdown, managed to get through it without my wife killing me or divorcing me. <laughs> like, do you know what? Forget it. Like, yeah. we'll just trade seven till two. Exactly. No, I uh, I like that because, yeah, it's a structured uh, approach and you're not really uh, tossing things about. You have your structured yeah, I, way. I want to treat my the trading and the course and the way that we look after the students, treat it like a business. Yeah. So instead of um, like a, a hobby, for example, or as a way to make money, simply treat it like a business with set working hours, money in, money out right tracking everything yeah having that sort of discipline and structure to it yeah. can only can only be a good thing yeah i think it will lead you further uh hopefully the, yeah i, I hopefully. reckon it, i reckon it would one more topic i'd like to cover um we're both co-founders of uh, trading groups right yeah uh so the biggest thing is actually the communication with your uh, students or people who join it yes uh the big like for me when people join for example our groups i really like interacting with them i like uh, learning from them i, li I like the way I, I want to teach them what i know but i'd also like to learn the things they can for example present to me yeah um and i think you kind of like develop this bond between yourself and your group i think that's really essential in actually making a qualitative group instead of just a signal service kind of provider but at the same time, you also have to like maintain your portfolio and also trade for yourself. So the questions here are like, how do you do you actually like learn a lot from your students and do you interact a lot? And how do you actually manage the time giving it to students and to your own portfolio? So with with this, because we our our community as such has only really kicked off the last sort of three to four weeks right but our our groups which you've probably seen when i've shared this stuff on my instagram stories yes our groups are so interactive right I, i've so anytime somebody makes a purchase of our course i'm personally getting in touch with them right th like thanking them for the spot asking them what they want to learn saying look go through the, sh the the content do the back testing any questions that you've got so we we sell the course, but it's not a monthly subscription service. Right. So we could have an attitude of, right, okay, people have bought the course, we'll leave them to it. What what we're trying to do with with our programs is we genuinely want to help people. Right. Like we want to try and get people funded and pass FTMO because you'll know this. So you, you make 10%, but all you've got is $1,000, for example. Right. You're making $100, $100 that month. Right. So for you to make any real difference to your life, you either need to be risking a lot more right. or have more capital to trade with. Yeah. So for me, FTMO is by far the, the best product in the market and best service right now right. to allow people access to those funds. So I, I genuinely want to help as many of our guys as possible right. pass FTMO. Like my attitude, and I've said this to everybody in the groups, is pass FTMO. Yeah. Don't be stupid with the money. When you start doing well, yeah. Put the money to one side, 
because if anything should happen to FTMO in the future, yeah. you need to make sure that your life doesn't go back to what it is now. Exactly. You need, you, you need to stay, stay accustomed to, to that lifestyle. And the only way to do that is be smart with your money and, and put it to one side so you've still got a pot to trade with. Exactly. Um, but that's also like the interaction with students as much as I, I genuinely do enjoy it as well. And I get a real buzz from the guys sending their results in because it shows that what me and Sam are teaching is is working and we've managed to simplify it enough that it makes sense to people. Um, there's a trade-off with that, okay. which is my own personal trading. Yesterday, for example, we've got now 100 to 110 students give or take in our group. And at any one time, you've maybe got 40, 50 of them active. Um, I, I, for three hours yesterday, when I should have been trading, I was replying to messages. Right. Which is the downside to it. And it's just a balancing act. Yeah. It, it's as simple as that. It's just, just like anything in life. Yeah, mate, of course. Right. Of, of course it is. Because what you don't want to do is people part with... So our cost is like is a hundred pounds, okay. which is kind of on the cheaper side of some of the courses out there. But in the same breath, we've got quite a small following, so right. we, we can't be charging silly money. But hundred pounds is still hundred pounds. You don't want people to part with their kind of hard-earned money, and they get a course and absolutely no support or no interaction from the two guys that did it. I feel me and Sam need to be involved with our community, otherwise. Yeah. It stops being a community yeah i really respect that because uh yeah kind of it is the same uh, kind of virtue we're going through in our group because uh for example from uh, my experience when i uh traded like two years ago uh i fell into the pitfall of uh, there was this uh one trader on instagram and he was promising to teach a lot of like things i'm not going to call any names obviously and he charged me approximately a half a thousand pounds now pounds dollars so yep. at, at the time, right, I was uh, 17, I believe, or uh, I just turned 18 and, you know, half a thousand for a 18 year old. I didn't have a job. I was still in school. It was it was a lot of money. Yes, yeah, it's a lot of money. And um, it still is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I joined the group. I mean, I first found a job to pay for that course. And uh, once I got the job, I wired him the money. And I think he taught me for approximately two weeks and then he dipped. And that was probably the hardest lesson I learned in the sense that you have to rely on yourself and really genuine people and don't trust people with big amount, big amounts of money unless you can really see that they're genuine in a sense. 100%. Right? Because yeah. And in this market as well, there's, there's so much bullshit. Yeah, it is. Th th this was one of the reasons that me and Sam very nearly didn't do a course or a community because... And you must have the same problem. We, like, how do you cut through all the noise and all the crap and not be associated with the scammers? It's just part of it. Yeah. It really is. That, that's the kind of stuff you've got to deal with so constantly. Yeah. We're having to put our reviews out there. Right. Just to let people know, look, we are different to the other guys. Yeah. Everyone says that. All the scammers say that. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, and I find it really... Uh... I find it a real um, pity because right now Forex, it's uh, it's not an oversaturated uh, kind of market, but it's like it has a name of like, oh, yeah, it's a scam business. 100%. Yeah. 
I really that that's a huge pity because it's really not it, well it is if you are a commissionary trying to scam people to place their pendings and then you can drive a nice Lambo which you lease for three thousand a month sure but that's not what real foreign exchange trading is and I really understand why so many of the good traders are leaving Instagram right now yeah no 100% like there was um Seb yeah from FX cartel yeah who, who by far one of the best absolutely companies that I've come across um he, he's dipped out yep. from Instagram because he's just sick of the bullshit. I totally understand, right? You know, he's made a name for himself. He's achieved the things he wanted in this game, you know. So why bother with all the bullshit Why bother the with noise? all the crap? Like I've, like our following, my following so small. We've got like sub a thousand. But I'll still get messages saying that what we do is bullshit and we're ripping people off, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He had like 20, 30,000 people, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so if he had like twenty, thirty times the messages, I had probably probably more. Right. You don't you don't need to deal with that. But that, that's the funny part, right? He had twenty, uh, twenty or thirty thousand followers, but those gurus out there, they be having like half a million, you know, and that yeah. that's fucked up. Yeah, and 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 again, naming no names, I've 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 dropped in messages on my Instagram <laughs> quite a few times. It, just they're full of shit oh, like the, the guys that charge people 500 600 a thousand dollars for a course but they can't and they're rebranding baby and get 10 percent. yeah yeah and they're just rebranding free content it, it pisses me off yeah and i think it only annoys me because i got burned by them myself so i'm just like a bitter ex now i mean i try, <laughs> i mean like i don't i don't i wouldn't say i'm I am uh, too bitter, but I, of course I'm bitter. Yeah, it just ruins it. It ruins it for those who actually want to learn. Yeah. So. Now it, it, it's cool though because the the way I saw it with like so our regulator in the UK, the FCA. Right. They did. They did. They. I don't know whether people were getting ripped off, or they just saw there was so many forex ads when oh, yeah. lockdown started. The FCA did a big sweep. Yeah, I heard about it. Social media. I heard sweep. about it. And just took so many of the scammers out yeah. of the market. Yeah. Um, Some of them of the are in jail. Some of them are in jail, I suppose. Uh, hopefully. Right. Hopefully, because there's some. So, like, here, here's the thing with that: the signals providers. It's not great that they're just kind of rebranding other people's signals and selling it for maybe fifty pounds a month. Yeah. But it's not the end of the world. You're not really. It, it's bullshit. Yeah. But you're not really ripping people off. If they want to be greedy and gamble their own money, that's kind of on them. Right. But then there's some companies, and there was someone in the UK that did it for, for a lot of money as well. We were using um, the copy traders. Oh, yeah. Where it was like, okay, you deposit your money with me. Yeah. I will trade your money. And they were just ripping, taking all the money out of the account. Yeah, you never see them that, that's, that's just fraud. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, that's just fraud. Also, what, uh, for example, exchanges or uh, sorry, brokers offer now are IB programs um, is where you, for example, uh, have a, a link, an affiliate link, and you send it out to your uh, members or whatever. Yeah. And, and you get like, I, th- I don't remember how much you get, but I think it was like $7 uh, a lot traded. Yeah, we, we, we got offered that as um, by a few brokers right. when, when we started this. So it was like we could get. $300 yeah. per person which signed up to our affiliate link once they had traded two lots. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. two lots on a small balance, like Jesus Christ. And we, we, we stayed That's away. That's probably like, blown again. Ah. 
Yeah, of course. Well, that's why it's sold wrong to people. That's why people think that they'll turn a hundred dollars into a thousand dollars in a week, in a week, because you probably could, if you were kind of gambling on the high lots, right? But you've got more chance of blowing that account in half an hour. I mean, yeah, but and that's their point. They want you to over leverage in order to for them to get, get the their money. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, no, it's um... we 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 got offered that. We looked at it. Said, nah. Mm-hmm. I I genuinely will like people will pay us for the course. Right. We'll help them with the content and the support. Right. I don't want any kind of financial incentive for these guys to yeah. make a trade. Yeah. It, at all i think it tarnishes the relationship and the product that you're offering yeah absolutely agree yeah no that's nice that we're on the same page here as well yeah i mean we covered a lot of interesting topics it was really interesting to hear your story and your advice and what your opinions are uh to round things off would you have anything else you'd like to add or any tips for people Uh, out there starting or my 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 tips genuinely to anybody who is new and that's come across this, this podcast is don't believe half of the things which you see online and social media, right? The, the best thing that you can do is get a course, not necessarily our course, just any course, even if it's free YouTube content and figure out how to trade, right. learn the skill yourself, um, learn how to be self-sufficient then just do back testing and back testing and then just trade on demo accounts. There's no reason to start trading with live money whilst you figure things out. Um, do, do you reckon for me personally, I have a really biased opinion towards demos. I think it, go on. Right. So I think that on a demo, you know, you can have a 10,000 or $1,000, whatever. Yep. And you, you're trading it, cool, your strat might work. Like, I'm just talking from experience. That's why I have this opinion. Um, and you trade it and it's going super well. But as soon as you step in with your own 1000 or $10,000, you're literally, you know, you're you're going to have fear. Because when people say, like I mentioned many times, I'm going to treat this demo like a real account, you will never because your brain... 100%. That's, do you remember when we were, we were chatting about what I wanted to do on the one minute? And right. I said that once I'd done... The, the demo testing, yeah. I would do it with like a hundred to exactly. two hundred dollars. Yeah. So I demos are a double edged sword. So I completely agree with you there. Um but what it what they do allow you to do is test the strategy to see whether this ignore the emotions yeah. and anything like that. It lets you test the strategy to see whether that works in the markets. Right. But as as you will know the same as me, most strategies you can probably get to work the hardest bit to figure out is the emotional element and you don't get that from demo or back testing yeah yeah because you strategy, only get that yeah. when you roll the dice and put some real money in yeah and learn how to deal with your own emotions yeah i agree there because the the strategy itself could be mechanical you have your checklist you know you have uh, the things you need to check off but at the end of the day can you check off the checklist that you're calm during a trade and that you're not looking at your screen if your money's going away yeah and th- that's why as well like not to kind of bang on about it again with back testing i will back test 100 trades and then i'll go straight into a live market because yeah when you're clicking next yeah you're not sitting there and waiting for a candle to develop yeah you don't have the apprehension or any kind of anxiety as to where it's going you just click 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 okay take profit stop loss whatever 
Whereas yeah. when you sat waiting for a candle to actually develop, nothing has changed with the strategy or the trade or the setup. Exactly. It's your own emotions that you've got to deal with there, which for me is the hardest bit. Yeah, I agree with you because I'm uh, I'm the same because this was the biggest and the hardest obstacle for me to overcome and my whole team knows it. I'm, I was that kid who had uh, three different notebooks for backtesting and I backtested, I think, I was backtesting in real time, so six months from August 2019 till December 2019, I was backtesting the strategy on four different pairs and uh, you know my strike rate was approximately 85 or 90 percent towards the end and it was amazing you know i felt great but when i realized i'm not really making money and i put myself onto the real market it was as if i just kind of prestiged in call of duty and just started from level one yes like i knew what i was doing but as soon as i got into a live trade i didn't it's a different ball game yeah. there's there's uh, there's nothing that yeah. can train you get you ready prepare you for the emotional yeah. element um, and I, I'd, obviously some people fully master that. It's a different, for me, that's something that I think I'll constantly be working on. Yeah. I, I know it's one of my flaws, so yeah. you've just got to be aware of it and keep it in check. Um, yeah. What I tell people on that note is that don't internalize the market. Don't, uh, for example, you have a good trade and you're all happy and you're all positive and you walk around your home and you know you're going to the city and you're so happy that you got one TP, you know, remove that. And the same goes for ourselves. You know, you make one, you hit a stop loss and then you're all sulky the whole day. Don't yeah. do that. Don't internalize the things that are happening on your chart with your life because it has nothing to do like in that sense with it, right? So I say to people, it's like, don't worry about it. Even you win, you lose, don't worry about it. Do it, carry on. And just kind of keep your straight face and going on. It's not the problem that we, we need to have emotions. We're people, we're humans, that's normal. But the problem is letting those emotion, the emotionalism towards the market kind of affect us. So that's my take on it. Easier said than done as well, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, because I'm still working on it. Everybody's working yeah, on it. Everyone's no, no working on yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. On that note, I want to thank okay. you once again for joining. No, I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been... It's been good fun. I'm more yeah. than happy to come back on at any time in the future as well. Yeah, guys. So thank you very much for tuning in. Stay tuned. There's more to come. And on this note, take care and bye-bye. <laughs>